0: My name is Yu, and this is my wife, Yen. We and our son, Noah, have been at WCPC since 2020. This fall, a new beginning we're excited about is the community group that started to meet at our place in Moraga every Sunday afternoon. It's been wonderful to meet. We discuss scripture, share lives, and prayer requests. It's been a time set aside on Sunday to get to know each other a bit more, and that's been great. For me, it's also been a time to rest. Some of us are extroverts, others are introverts, including myself. But I'm always surprised by how there's something about coming as I am and recentering before the week starts up with work again. For me, I find that Sabbath is something I have to be very intentional about. Otherwise, it doesn't happen in our culture, especially for parents. And now, a reading from God's Word. These are passages from Genesis 2 and 3. Genesis 2, verses 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Genesis 3, verses 1 through 5. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Curse is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Well, thank you, uh, Zinyu and Yen, and uh, welcome. I joined Ivana in saying welcome to WCPC. I'm Bart Garrett, if I haven't met you yet, the lead pastor here. And uh, someone reminded me this week that there are a lot of people online for various reasons, so hello to all of you online. We're glad to have you here. Um, we'll say a bit more about that last passage that was just read next week, but uh, this week we're looking at the... Relationship that we have with rest, uh, as Zinyu alluded to it. Next week, we'll talk about the relationship we have at work. And we've been saying week to week that um, coming out of this pandemic, uh, there's a real resilience to us as human beings, but we also have depleted energy reserves. And so I feel like it's a great moment to turn back to foundational principles. Uh, to rebuild our life. And we're doing that by looking at Genesis one through three, which is really a primary text that shapes so much of scripture and particularly about relationship with all these things. We talked about relationship with the world and relationship with God and relationship last week with evil and then today again, relationship with rest. And let me just say to you, uh, I am actually uh, so excited. To deliver this message, to give this message to you this morning. It's actually for me like finding the perfect gift to give someone, and you just cannot wait to give it to them. You know how much he's gonna absolutely love it, or he will make use of it, or he will wear it. And Jesus said in Mark's Gospel, chapter 2, telling the story of who Jesus is for the world Hey, people are not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is actually made for people. In other words, Jesus is saying, this is a gift that I have made for you. And let's be honest, homemade gifts are about 50-50. You know, like I really wanted those oven mitts with a picture of my deceased dog on them. You know, thank you so much, you shouldn't have. No, really, you shouldn't have. (laughs) But I think this homemade gift that Jesus gives us, we will absolutely love it if we put it to use. Uh, So I do what I do as a Christian minister because I really am convinced that uh, helping people embrace Christianity is giving them opportunity to uh, have the most joyful and meaningful life possible. And I I wouldn't do what I do if I didn't believe that. And so when I hear um, people ask the question, how are you doing? And I hear them answer that question, some of you are like me, we say, well, well, I'm fine. Other of us go a little bit deeper and we say, well, well, I'm actually really busy. Some of us might even say, I am exhausted. If I only had eight days in a week, if I only had two more hours in a day, I have so much to do but such little time. But then maybe, what if I ask the question, well, why are you doing? Not how are you doing, but why are you doing? Well, maybe we would say that modern technology allows us to work uh, anywhere all the time, so we work everywhere all the time. Uh, maybe it's a global economy that we think, well, three billion people could, could have my job, and that stresses me out. Or maybe it's living in the Bay Area, where 60 to 70% of your income goes towards housing. Uh, Maybe for some of you, I'm describing your kids or your grandkids, but in retirement, perhaps there are other reasons that have you saying, I am exhausted. And if we went to a therapist and we presented this problem of exhaustion, our therapist would say, yes, that is the presenting problem. But underneath the busyness, you're not just busy, you're actually restless. And restless people tend not to be satisfied with who they are, or with what they've accomplished. Restless people can struggle to be free from who they were. Maybe we feel like we're not measuring up in the present. We're achieving and performing and impressing, but we can't get past the past, the worst mistake we've ever made, or the talons of addiction that just don't release us. Maybe we just have this sense of unworthiness. We can't shake. St. Augustine, uh, before he was a saint, was actually a sex addict, and he wrote a journal about it, which came to be called Confessions, which many of us have read. I try to read every year, and in one of the earlier parts of that book, he says, God, you have made me for yourself, and my heart is restless until it finds rest in you. So maybe you're here this morning and you get that, but there's a sense in which you don't get it, or it doesn't get you, and that's actually why we need Sabbath. And even as I say that, maybe some of you are thinking, well, that's a little bit silly. I mean, how is Sabbath keeping relevant to my restlessness? But go with me for just a second. This Sabbath-keeping actually shows up on the same list, the Ten Commandments, as committing adultery or committing murder. So the question is, how does murderous hate? How does adulterous lust well up inside of us? The answer is gradually. And restlessness is the same way. I I was thinking about, um, I used to love watching Dateline, I'm not sure why, but if many of you remember Keith Morrison, who's that amazing host made more than famous on SNL by Bill Hader, who plays him, and he comes on and he says, murder. It's like, antifreeze in the soup. What he didn't know about what his wife was doing might be killing him. That's not a great impersonation. I'll admit it. But that's what's going on. It's a, it's a little antifreeze in the soup. Gradually, restlessness takes hold. So, so here's the big idea. Uh, let us allow God to heal our restlessness through Sabbath keeping. And when we keep Sabbath, I think there are three rhythms that we're able to practice. One of them is the rhythm of satisfaction. The other one is the rhythm of freedom And the third one is the rhythm of eternity. And I want to look at each of them for just a a few moments. Firstly, the Sabbath rhythm of satisfaction. Uh, You heard Yen read it, but I'll read it again. Genesis 2, 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all the work. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Set it apart from all the other days. From all the work he'd been creating, he rested. So, the question is, did God rest because God was tired? Wow, Mercury through Jupiter and then like throwing all those rings around Saturn. I mean, my wrist is hurting. I need a break. No. God rested because he was utterly satisfied. If you could back up to to chapter 1, verse 31, God saw everything he had made and behold, it was very good. Remember how I mentioned that restless people can sometimes feel very dissatisfied with with who we are or with what we've accomplished. Maybe we don't feel free from who we were. You feel as if you don't measure up. The weight of the world is on your shoulders. You have all these unrealistic expectations. You have performance anxiety, and you're addicted to approval and all of these things. Well, let me pull it out of present day for just a second and say that this has been true in the plight of all humanity. If I could move us back 170 years, there's this great book written by Kevin Starr, Californians and the Search for the American Dream, and this is what he wrote about the gold rush. He said... Men who had come to California in the gold rush of 1849 in hope of finding their new identity slid into depression and defeat, realizing, as most did, that they would not strike it rich. Listen to this. They brooded over what they had become and what they had failed to do. A sense of aborted effort undercut the continual attempts at rollicking good humor in gold rush songs men grew tired of themselves tired of the ambitions and petty hopes which had brought them to such desperate ends suicides caused by dissatisfaction wrote home an adventurer of 1849 are as numerous as the deaths resulting from natural causes one of my favorite paragraphs in all of writing is from Rabbi Elijah of Vilna. And he says this, he says, God stopped to show us that what we create becomes meaningful to us only once we stop creating it and start to think about why we did so. We have to remember to stop because we have to stop to remember. I want to invite a little participation this morning. Maybe it's a little awkward, but just take a deep breath, if you would. Just breathe it in. Slowly release it. You catch that feeling right there of contentment and satisfaction? That's God's gift of Sabbath. It's a rhythm of satisfaction. Stop to remember. What has been created? There's a second one. It's it's the rhythm of freedom. Um, So every week we've been reading a portion of Genesis 3, and I'll say more about that portion uh, next week. But we've been doing that every single week. Why? Because you and me are designed to live in a Genesis 1 and 2 world, a beautiful, not yet broken world, but we show up in a Genesis 3 world. We were born into this broken world, which is why we need Sabbath rest more than we would have otherwise. So, Bible geeks are going to geek for just a second. So, if you're into Scripture, you're going to love this. If you don't care about Scripture, maybe you'll still love this. Uh, Ten Commandments show up how many times in Scripture? Well, well, that's a trick question. In the Old Testament, how many times do they show up? twice that's right okay so many of you would know that they show up in exodus they show up again in deuteronomy did you know though that they're actually altered the second time they show up some of us will not know that the fourth commandment remember the sabbath day keep it holy check shows up in both places observe 6 days of labor check shows up in both places the 7th day you should rest check shows up in bo- both places the sabbath is not just for you but it's for your family it's for your employees it's not just an individual selfishly motivated effort it's a collective reality check it shows up in both places but why do we keep sabbath Well, in Exodus, we keep it because in six days, God created the heavens and the earth, but on the seventh day, he rested. In Deuteronomy, why do we keep Sabbath? Why? We keep Sabbath, remember, because you were slaves in Egypt, but God set you free. It's a different motivation in Deuteronomy. See, there's no choice if you're a slave but to work 24-7, 365, anyone who can't get away from their work for any reason is enslaved. And and I'm not equating biblical and certainly not modern notions of slavery with, with our work predicaments in this room, for sure. But let me say there's a sense in which we enslave ourselves. Our need for success, or we're enslaved to a materialistic culture, or to exploitive employers or to a parent's approval or to an unrelenting boss or an exacting expectation or an internal pressure or an acute anxiety that shows up on Monday mornings. Well, Sabbath is the invitation to a slave's revolt. Remember I mentioned that restless people are often dissatisfied with who they are, with what they've accomplished. They're, they can't get free from or who they were. Let me talk about this as a second, almost like a bear trap. And I I hate to give such a a grisly rendition, but I I think you'll remember it. You know, you step into a bear trap. There are all these traps that we step into in life. I I could list 20 of them. I don't have time. You don't have time. I'll list a couple, a few. Uh, One of them is a regret trap. Jason Isbell, one of my favorite artists, sings it this way. My past, a scary movie. I watched and fell asleep. Now I'm dreaming up these creatures from the deep. Teach me how to forget. And we're bound by this regret. We can't shake the worst thing we've ever done. So we fall into that trap. Or secondly, maybe for you, it's the comparison trap. And and I can't help but remember my eldest daughter's first experience with Halloween. She was three or four years old. She dressed up like Cinderella. We had this amazing time trick-or-treating. We get to the end of the night. We're sitting at our door because some late trick-or-treaters are still coming. And lo and behold, here comes a little girl wearing a Cinderella costume. And I watch my daughter look at her from head to toe. It's like showing up at the prom with the same dress. And she just doesn't know what to make of it. And this other little girl gets her candy and moves away. And Caroline turns to me and she says, "Dad." I have a bigger bow than she does. (laughs) Dad, my shoes sparkle and hers do not. It's the comparison trap. We fall in it at a very young age. The performance trap for some of you. um, I think of my middle daughter coming home uh, I came home from work one day. She had set up an art gallery for me. She's like, Dad, I want to show you all these things. Look what I did. Isn't this beautiful? Yes. It's be- Isn't this beautiful? Yes. It's beautiful. Isn't this picture beautiful? Yes. It's beautiful. And in one of those moments where you actually succeed as a parent, I knew it was a pregnant moment. And I said, Claire, all of these things are so beautiful. But you know who I love more than all of these things? You. You're beautiful for being you. You don't have to perform yet we fall into the trap. The imposter trap, often called imposter's syndrome. I sat at my table with a professor who was highly credentialed, had written a ton of books, and he said to me, sometimes I'm afraid people will find out I'm a phony. I'm a fake. I'm a fraud. The materialism trap, we fall into it. Something in our life goes askew. Let's go shopping. Let's buy something. Let's get a new car. Let's get a new outfit. The busyness trap, perhaps the most pervasive and, dare I say, pernicious of all the traps because it's our way of avoiding some of the other traps. Next podcast, next ball game, next shopping spree, next vacation. You know, if a hamster could talk and the hamster's on the wheel and you're like, hey, why are you running? I'm busy, I'm running. Yeah, yeah, but where are you going? Don't, Don't bother me, I'm running. Christians believe Jesus summons us get off the hamster wheel come to me bring your burdens my yoke is easy and that's a that's a resounding comfort to us but the problem is all the baggage we carry there's baggage under the baggage that's the hard part and the baggage under the baggage is there's this innate restlessness that we cannot shake on our own. Or as the modern-day prophet Bono put it, though you think you've got the stuff, you're telling me and anyone you're enough, sometimes you can't make it on your own. Sometimes you can't make it. The best you can do is fake it. Sometimes you just can't make it on your own. And yes, it might take years to unwind what took years in your life to wind up. Yet Christians would say, start with Jesus. Come to Jesus. Your first work is to begin to rest in God's work. Did did you catch this? In creation, God said, it is finished. There's this utter satisfaction. And in recreation, in our redemption, on the cross, Jesus says, it is finished. There's this final freedom. We sung about it. Hallelujah, I am free. You're invited by Sabbath keeping. The rhythm and practice of finding a satisfaction and a freedom that can begin to make you whole again. It's a great gift God has given to us, but we need to make use of it. The third Sabbath rhythm I'd, I'd quickly speak to as we conclude is, is Eternity. It's the practice of eternity. Dorothy Sayers put it this way. She says, it's precisely because of the eternity outside of time that everything in time becomes valuable and important and meaningful. In other words, Sabbath is practicing for eternity. The the author of Hebrews has beautiful writing. You can check out on this. It's a once and for all rest with God. There's a deep sense in which The Sabbath is actually the theme of all biblical theology. God rests in Sabbath and determines to bring a people with him in Sabbath. It's it's the fundamental Bible story. You know John's gospel when he writes about uh, the work of Jesus, the magnum opus, the great work of God's crucifixion and resurrection, he refers to it as the first day of the week on the eighth day the the beginning of a new week which is why christians shift our calendars from practicing a weekend to a week beginning you can set your google calendar to have sunday as the first day or monday as the first day please set it to have sunday on the first day cuz it's the first day of the week we we don't work for rest for the weekend we work from rest jesus says it is finished you are free Start there, then move on into your work week. It's a deep gift. Before you do anything else with this week, would you spend a little time with me? So as we conclude, I wanna get super practical, just give you some general guidelines as to what this means, and particularly as it relates to your station of life. And uh, these will be quick and then I'll I'll be done and we'll come to the table. One of them is, is worship weekly. Consider it, that isn't just like go to church It's not me saying, go to church. It's me saying, step into the grandest story of the whole world. Be called by God into a story that we can't make up, that we can't manufacture. Live into the reality of, of as Devana was saying, when our life goes askew, when the weight of the world is weighing down on us, admitting it and confessing it and receiving this beautiful summons from Scripture that creates this artistry of a life well lived that brings us to this table where we can taste and see that God is good where we're blessed by God and we hear uh, the benediction of God loves you now get out of here and love someone else that's what going to church really means and that's secondly uh, we become instruments of recreation in the lives of others that's the act of mercy of sabbath keeping when you get out there don't just love the world find one person that God has, for whatever reason, brought into your life who needs your assistance, who needs some help in being recreated and spend some generative, creative time figuring out how to help them. Thirdly, practice avocations. What does that mean? Find a hobby. Um, There's a a big article that talks about um, one of the things most common for ministers that don't burn out is that they have found a hobby that allows them to completely lose track of time. It's a great practice, it's a gift. God's saying you you got a day, spend some time in that hobby. Fourthly, um, build Sabbath trellis in your life to train some spiritual vines. What does that mean? Well, uh, regardless of whether or not you're in tech, uh, tech has shaped all of us living in the Bay Area with the motto, work hard, play hard, rest hard. You know, work really hard, find a hobby and work at it really hard, and then go lay on a beach for two weeks, and then do it for 52 weeks, and then do it again. But we are called to rest well. And there's a difference. There's a difference. This trellis, like you'd think of a tomato vine being trained by a trellis, Maybe for you it's uh, a prayer hike. It's a scripture nap. You just sort of lay on the couch and turn scripture on as you take a nap for an hour. God, God may want to put you to sleep. Like That might be the plan for Sunday afternoon. Um, fifthly, there's, there's six. Take, take a technology break. Um, give up your weapons of mass distraction for one day in seven or or three hours in this day. Turn off your notifications, you know, ignore your status update or your Twitter feed. Uh, Don't do TikTok one day so China can only spy on you for six days, you know, I don't know. Um, Prepare for the week ahead. This is the last one. Um, Take inventory of the week that is coming. Um, John Ortberg asked Dallas Willard, Uh, what should I do to be faithful to Jesus? Dallas Willard said, you need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Well, maybe spend 30 minutes taking inventory on a Sunday of what your week looks like. Chances are, if you have more to do in a day, God didn't give it to you. Someone else did, or you gave it to yourself. So what does it look like to look at those six days and and ruthlessly eliminate some hurry from your calendar? And then um, I need to pray. My time is up, but let me, I would be uh, unloving as your pastor to also recognize there are um, career stages and stations in life that will affect your capacity to keep Sabbath. If you're brand new in your career, you're earning your, your spurs, you're paying your dues, Um, You don't always have the value in your company to go tell your boss what it's going to be like. (laughs) You're in residency, you're an engineer in a startup, uh, whatever it may be, but look for some Sabbath breathing in your day. Find some spaces where you can take some deep breaths of satisfaction and freedom in God. Early stage parents, Valley of the Diapers, You know, you're on the treadmill and you want to move the move the curtains aside so you can look through the window at God's glory, but your kids like throwing up Cheerios. You know, I I get it. But find some spiritual spaces, find some breathing patterns where you can just take that deep breath. Parents of teenagers, the physical exhaustion has now become emotional exhaustion in your life. You need some deep breathing spaces. Find them. Maybe it's other parents, maybe it's a therapist, you know. Find those spaces. Those of you in retirement, uh, I said to the men at our men's breakfast yesterday that um, people over 40 tend to be looking for a mission and people under 40 tend to be looking for a mentor. Um, maybe you're an empty nester. Find one of these young families and say, we want to we have you over uh, for dinner Sunday night. Pay for their babysitting even. Uh, What if you as a retired person said, every Sunday night we want to have someone over for dinner in our house just to to serve them, just to spend time with them, to get to know them. This is difficult and easy, right? Uh, So let's pray as we come to this table together. God, you have created us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Uh, God, um, help Sabbath not to become one more thing to do, but allow it to be seen and accepted as a gift, a gift that will allow us the rhythm of satisfaction and freedom, uh, the practice of eternity, which, which starts at this table. This is that moment where we uh, eat ahead and drink ahead as we anticipate this wedding festival of the Lamb where we will sup with you forever and forever and forever in the rest that you have prepared for the people. It's in your name we pray. Amen.